Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The first thing that hit me as I awoke from my unconscious state was the throbbing headache that pulsated in waves from the front to the back of my head. As I tried to open my eyes, I could feel my stomach churn. And before I could even think to react, I could feel its contents force their way up my throat. I turned to my side and let out a foul-tasting mixture of bile and food. You're all right, just let it out, boys said. It's normal to feel a bit sick after the sedation. My eyes hurt as I tried to open them, burned by the intense light around us. All I could see was a middle-aged man sitting by my side with a comforting smile. I tried to talk, but the effort just prompted another round of vomit. You're gonna feel like shit for the next couple of hours, trust me. Don't try to talk yet. Not wanting to taste my half-digested meal, I took his advice. I tried to just observe my surroundings. It was a large room with plain white walls. There were people walking around, all wearing numbered jumpsuits with names on them. In addition, there were a lot of people just lying around unconscious, presumably drugged as I had been. So your name is David, huh? He asked. I wanted to respond, but as I thought about it, I realized I hadn't the faintest idea who or what I was. He must have seen the confused look on my face because he just smirked in return. Don't worry about it. Your memory will come back gradually. I don't remember much myself. Just my name, maybe a few bits and pieces. I'm Ron. His name could easily be confirmed by his jumpsuit. Above it, he had the number eight written on him. Where are we? I asked weakly. He chuckled. Not entirely sure. Some of the boys call this the staging area. Ain't much, but apparently we all signed up for this. Signed up for what? Beats me. I remember signing a paper. I remember drinking a sedative. Next thing I know, I'm waking up among these fine people, he explained. We're being prepared for something they only referred to as the tournament. A faint flash of a broken memory returned to me. A contract, the promise of an unimaginably large prize. But the details were all hazy. And with the amount of other people in the room, it looked like my chances would be slim at best. I feel like we've been scammed. I managed to get out. I sat myself up and got a better view of the room. The only exit was a set of metal doors at the end, most likely locked, but no one seemed to be guarding them. Well. 
I suppose it does sound too good to be true. Even so, there are at least a hundred other people here who fell for the same trap. At least we ain't alone. He was right. Though counting the people individually was a hard task, I couldn't see anyone with a number higher than 98. 98 was a frail looking woman wandering around with her arms crossed. She looked emaciated, cold and sick, but she didn't seem all that old. At a second glance, I realized that a lot of the people seemed kind of sick. The mere sight of them sent a wave of memories rushing back to me. While they were fractured like the rest, they painted a clear enough picture about who I was as a person and why I'd signed up for what could only be an elaborate scam. I'm sorry, David, we've done all we can, my doctor had said. We've caught it early enough, but insurance just isn't gonna cut it for experimental treatments. How much time do I have? I can't say for sure, maybe six months. Money can't buy you happiness, I'd been told growing up, and it can't buy health. Those were two things my father had told me growing up, forcing me to appreciate the smaller things and eating healthier. If only he'd known how wrong he was. The only treatment that had a slim chance of saving my life was locked behind a paywall. So do you remember when you signed up for these games? Ron asked, breaking me free from my trance. Cancer, I said. I needed treatment. His smile vanished, almost as if he felt ashamed. What about you? I asked. A matter of debt owed to the wrong people. I've made some mistakes, he said. Two problems, one caused by greed and another by a stroke of bad luck. I'll tell you what, David. I might've made mistakes, but I ain't stupid. I'm gonna win this thing. And when I do, I'll pay my debts back and I'll pay for your treatment. Hell, there'll still be a bunch of cash left over to retire to some comfortable island in the Caribbean. You'd split the prize if you win? For me? You don't even know me. Don't think too highly of me. My intentions ain't all noble. You seem fit enough. You'll probably make it far. I'm expecting you to offer the same deal. With the two of us together, we'll be twice as likely to win. He reached his hand out, and for a moment, I just froze in place. After all, I'd just met the guy. How could I trust him not to screw me over? That being said, he seemed to know what he was doing, and I doubted I'd stand a chance alone. So, with a hint of hesitation, I reached out and shook his hand. Let's do this then. We tried to create a basic plan, during which time pretty much every contestant had woken up. Small groups of people had gathered, all trying to figure out what was going on and what kind of games we'd be playing. Some seemed nervous, others excited, it was an interesting gig, but the secrecy of it all put me on edge. Before long, the brainstorming was cut short, the metal doors busted open, and a group of armed men marched in. Each of them wore what resembled pitch black, unmarked SWAT uniforms, eight of them on each side with a man in the middle with a single white stripe on his chest, vaguely separating him from the rest as the leader. The room fell silent, with just a few attempting to speak up in mere fearful whispers. For a minute, the men just stood there in silence and waited for us to gather around, each of us desperately waiting to figure out just what the hell was going on. Welcome, the man finally said. You are the 100 chosen to participate in the tournament. Chosen? A woman asked. 
You are all here by choice, and a contract to partake has been signed. The tournament will consist of five games, each eliminating a portion of the contestants. The last man or woman standing will receive the ultimate prize, enough money to last you a lifetime. Should anyone choose to abandon this opportunity, this is your last chance. The man paused as he awaited a reaction from the audience. Everyone looked around, checking to see who would be the first to leave, but no one did. After all, we were all there for a reason. Each person in that room was fueled by desperation with no feasible way out. Then it is time to prepare for the first game. Please redirect your attention to the screen above for further instructions. The lights in the room quickly dimmed and the empty wall above the door turned into a sort of projector. Words flashed by too quickly to read as the first game was chosen. After a few seconds, Three words remained, hide and seek. A children's game, one I hadn't played myself in 20 years. I'd always been good at keeping a low profile, but how and where would someone try to hide a hundred players? Before I got any time to really think about it, the text on the screen disappeared, replaced by instructions. A simple list of rules that read, one, players caught by the seekers will be eliminated. Two. Players must all reach the pyramid by midnight. Three, clues are hidden around the game area. Nothing more, nothing less. Just three cryptic rules and a silent host standing before us. What pyramid? What kind of hide and seek is this? The man asked. What clues? Another shouted, but they were all ignored. And with that, the metal doors opened. The guards left the area, locking the doors behind them. Then the rules vanished from the screen, replaced by a simple, encouraging message with an eerie undertone. Good luck. The hunt has officially begun. The hell are we supposed to do? Ron asked. I don't know. What kind of hide and seek is this? The rest of the room seemed just as confused as us, but we wouldn't have to wait for long before a loud whirring sound filled the room. The room started to vibrate ever so slightly. And before we knew how to react, the walls at the back started opening up. Behind them, little more than darkness awaited. Once the walls had fully retracted, the lights within the room all extinguished, finally giving us a better view of what lay beyond. A few gasps and worried whispers could be heard, but we quickly got an inkling into what we were supposed to do. Beyond the walls lay a thick forest with a single path going through it, a path that presumably led to the aforementioned pyramid. For a moment, everyone stood frozen in place, none brave enough to take the first step. But with the knowledge of a timer counting down, a young man near the front finally took the first step into the darkness. A couple more followed, and before long, the entire crowd was moving into the forest. A handful went straight down the path, while most kept to the edges, hiding amongst the trees. I felt Ron grab my arm, pulling me away from the crowd. The morons are all walking in a group. If we want to stay hidden, we better keep our distance. I had to admit, the amount of effort put into the games amused me. And for the first time since my diagnosis, I actually felt excited. Ron and I moved through the dense bushes, making sure to keep out of view. Whoever the seekers were, they definitely wouldn't be able to see us, not with the others running along the open path. After only a few minutes, 
the crowd was spread thin. They said to reach the pyramid by midnight, but do you even know what time it is? I asked. Ron shook his head. No clue, so we better hurry up. Where though? I asked. The path was leading north. We'll head in the same direction, but a safe distance. How do you even know where north is? I asked. He just pointed at the full moonlight, with its rays slightly shifting through the leaves. It rises in the east, he said. I stared up at the white light. I'd never seen the moon that big, nor moving that fast. Something about it just felt off. But through the dense treetops, I couldn't quite put my finger on what was wrong. A loud bang rang through the air, freezing us in place. What was that? I asked. Not sure, but it sounded kind of like a... He drifted off. Like what? Nothing. Let's keep focused. Then another bang shook the air around us, akin to a gun being fired, but slightly quieter, twisted. Was that a gunshot? I asked. Before Ron could answer, a cacophony of screams broke the otherwise silent forest. Several loud bangs followed the scream, and for each one, the screams seemed to get fewer and further in between. What the hell is going on? Ron asked. We snuck a bit closer to the path, hoping to figure out what was going on. In the distance, we could see a couple of people lying on the ground, vaguely lit up by the moonlight. A man dressed in the same black uniform approached them with a gun, kicked their unmoving bodies before redirecting his attention towards the tree line. The leaves rustled as one of the contestants tried to duck into cover, but the man was too fast. In a swift, confident motion, he raised his rifle and fired into the darkness. A brief groan followed, then thump before silence took over the dark night. Oh God, did they just... Ron grabbed me and put a hand over my mouth. You wanna die, boy? Keep your damn mouth shut. He whispered aggressively as he pulled us both to the ground. A thousand thoughts ran through my mind. Was it a hoax? Had we truly been lured into a murderous hunt? Would anyone know what had happened to me once I died? As we lay there, we could hear footsteps approaching in our direction. The seeker was heading towards us, probably alerted by my voice. Step by step, he got closer. My heart raced at a million miles an hour, and I tried to mentally prepare for the lead that would surely rip apart my flesh. But just as he came around the tree, the sound of quick footsteps and panting could be heard from the path. The seeker immediately turned away from us and rushed in the direction of the sound at an impressive speed. Within seconds, he tracked the contestant down, fired upon them, and calmness once again ruled the forest. Ron silently ordered me to follow him as he crawled on the ground deeper into the forest. And only then did it dawn on me that by the end of the tournament, most, if not all of us, would end up dead. And this was only the first of five we had to survive. Once we'd crawled to a semblance of safety, we got back on our feet. I looked around us, seeing nothing but dense forest as far as my eyes could see. Based on the path, the pyramid would be somewhere up north, but there didn't seem to be any guards or seekers around. If we just kept heading west, we'd be sure to escape. Something's wrong with the moon, Ron said as he stared up at the bright light. I'd noticed it too. The size and movement didn't feel natural, as if someone had changed the laws of physics for the sake of the game. Come on, he continued. We gotta find that pyramid. Are you insane? They're killing people. 
We have to escape, I argued. And where exactly do you suppose we go? He asked. I paused and looked back up at the moon to get a sense of our bearings. That's west, right? I half asked, half stated. Best thing we could do is move away from where we came from and away from the pyramid. With those parting words, I turned to walk, moving through a thick set of bushes before banging up against something hard. In the dark, it was hard to see exactly what I'd hit, but there didn't seem to be anything blocking the way. I reached out my hand to feel for any invisible obstacles. It was a wall, a solid, painted wall cleverly blending in with the forest, stretching far up into the sky. That's when it dawned on me exactly what had bothered me about the moon. It wasn't real. We're not actually outside, Ron said. It's a room with a projected ceiling and fake walls. You knew? I asked. I had my suspicions. You running into that wall confirmed them though. They're not letting us just leave. So unless you want to wait here until the timer runs out, we better get going. Speechless and without any other options, I just followed Ron. We traversed the forest edge quietly, hearing gunfire in the distance every now and then, followed by agonized screams. But what bothered me the most was the immense silence with the anticipation of being discovered. Then I noticed something reflecting brightly in the moonlight, hanging from a branch. What's that? I asked as I ran over to grab it. Careful, it could be a trap, Ron whispered loudly. But it wasn't a trap. It was an old pocket watch. One of the clues they'd spoken about in the introductions. The watch read just past 10. We have less than two hours to get through here, I said. Then we'd better get moving. Despite the forest being a fake environment within a room, it remained impossibly large. We kept walking for half an hour, not once stumbling across another contestant. All we found were pools of blood, absent bodies. I guess they clean up once they eliminate someone, Ron said. How many do you think are left? Beats me, but the words froze in his throat as he noticed a woman standing a bit further down, staring at a piece of paper. She walked through the bushes absentmindedly, getting closer and closer to the open path. What is she doing? I asked. On the path, in the distance, we could see the outline of one of the seekers on patrol, and the girl was heading straight for him. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ron rushed over to the woman. Just before she managed to walk onto the path, Ron put a hand over her mouth and pulled her down to the ground. She tried to scream, but didn't manage to emit more than a weak whimper. Keep your mouth shut or they'll hear you, Ron whispered. I followed and ducked down next to him, just in time to see the guard pass us. 
He didn't appear to have noticed us. He continued his march down the path. Only when the woman had seen him did she stop struggling. We sat there in silence for minutes until we knew for sure the guard was out of ear's reach. Who are you? The woman asked. The number on her jumpsuit read 23. Contestants like yourself, Ron said. I'm David, this is Ron. She looked at our jumpsuits, confirming our identities. I'm Alice, she said before pausing. She looked terrified, as were we all. But unlike us, she'd gone through it all alone. Did you see them shoot the others? She asked. I nodded. I would have been shot too, if you hadn't grabbed me. Thank you. Don't mention it. I see you found yourself a map. What does it say? Ron asked. Where the pyramid is, she said briefly. Ron reached out his hands, gesturing for the map. You mind? He asked. She hesitated, clutching onto the paper even tighter. Look, I just saved your ass. I figure you owe me at least a moment of trust. She handed Ron the map, who quickly went to work deciphering it. Son of a bitch, he mumbled. What? The path is a red herring. The pyramid is in the east, he explained before turning his attention towards Alice. What do you say we help each other out? You let us use the map. We make sure the guards don't kill you. She nodded. Alice seemed to be a bit younger than myself, but healthy. I wanted to ask her how she ended up playing in the tournament alongside us decrepit outcasts, but getting acquainted in the darkness would only aid the guards in finding us. So we just kept walking. Every now and then, I'd glance down at the watch, wondering what would happen once the timer ran out. It was already half past 11, and I was worried we weren't going to get there in time. But suddenly Ron stopped dead in his tracks, causing me to bump into him and Alice into me. We're here, was all he said. He bent down into some tall grass and we followed suit. Sure enough, the pyramid was less than 100 yards away from us, surrounded by open space. It was a massive building large enough to easily house all 100 contestants, or at least those who'd survived the night. What are we waiting for? Let's go, Alice said. Not yet, Ron ordered back. We sat there for a few minutes, just staring at the pyramid. It all seemed perfectly quiet until we finally saw a figure spurt out from the tree line on the other side. A man in a jumpsuit wearing the number 71. He ran for the pyramid, almost close enough to touch it when another gunshot rang through the air. He fell dead before he touched the ground and a guard appeared from around the corner. He didn't even bother checking on the dead contestant. He just kept walking at a snail pace along the pyramid base. That's why we had to wait. There's no way they'd leave the goal unguarded. But there's only one guard, I said. Well, it's a game. They need some survivors for the next round. The guard moved at a consistent, slow pace, making it fairly easy to time our run. As soon as he walked around the corner, we prepared to run. Now, Ron yelled. We got up and started running for the pyramid entrance. Several other contestants emerged from the tree lines, all having waited for the guard to pass. Together, we ran for the entrance, reaching it with ease long before the guard would come back into view. On the inside, there were already dozens of survivors, some wore camouflage, while others carried night vision goggles, all tools that had been hidden around the forest. The room itself closely resembled the first one. It housed rows and rows upon beds some already occupied by worn out contestants. We made it. I can't believe we made it, Alice let out. 
We're not the only ones, Ron said. One third of the contestants seemed to have reached the pyramid, and there was still time left for more to arrive. Minute by minute, survivors came running in, each of them collapsing to the ground in exhaustion. I walked over to the entrance, staring out into the darkness outside. I wondered how many were still fighting and what would happen to those who failed to reach the pyramid in time. I pulled the watch back out and only five minutes remained before midnight rolled around. Alice joined my side while Ron looked around the room, trying to figure out what would come next. Did you come here alone? She asked. I nodded. I'm sick. I didn't have a choice. What about you? My brother. We signed up together. We lost everything after our parents died. We thought we could. Her voice cracked as tears filled her eyes. He found the map. It was on the path. They, they. She couldn't finish the sentence, but she didn't have to. I just instinctively gave her a hug, told her it would be all right that we'd make it. I'm not even sure if I believed it myself, but I had to say something. But our hug was cut short by the sound of a loud alarm ringing out. It was the signal that the time was now midnight. A screen appeared over the exit with a single line of text. Congratulations, round one has now concluded. A loud bang sounded from outside, like thunder shattering the atmosphere itself apart. Then the ceiling lit up in blazing fire and what could only be napalm fell over the forest. Once the fire had engulfed the area, the screams followed. All those who had failed to make it to the pyramid were being burned alive. The guards all walked inside, closing the doors behind them. On the screen, the text had been replaced by a counter listing the number of survivors. 66. One third of the contestants had been killed and we'd just barely made it through the very first round. Once the round had concluded, the guards ordered us to pick one of the beds spread across the room. We'd get a night's sleep before the next round. Ron, Alice, and I chose one of the corners, sticking together as the lights shut off. What do you think the next game will be? Alice asked. It doesn't matter, Ron said. We'll get some much needed rest and be fit for tomorrow. I ain't dying in here. Sleep should have come with much difficulty that night, but despite the immense fear rushing through my body, the exhaustion I felt both from the prior day's events and the cancer growing within me forced me into a peaceful slumber. My sleep was filled with uneasy dreams and weird pictures. But as quickly as I'd fallen into the realm of sleep, I was jolted awake by an alarm ringing through the room. I shot up in my bed, my eyes struggling to adapt to the bright lights. Oh God, what time is it? Ron asked, too out of it to remember where we were. I felt almost hungover, a familiar feeling I'd experienced through chemo. But since the treatment had long since ended, the cause had to be something else. My head hurts, Alice said. I don't remember falling asleep. Around the room, everyone seemed to be going through the same experience. I quickly realized that we hadn't just fallen asleep, but were drugged. Next to each bed stood a tray filled with food, eggs, cheese, pork, a handful of different fruits, in addition to a bottle of water. I wanted to check the time, only to realize that my watch was gone. Alice's map was missing as well. Upon inspecting the room, every clue and helpful item seemed to have vanished in the middle of the night. As we were sleeping, the guards had taken it all, but fed us a meal in return. 
It ain't half bad, Ron mumbled with his mouth full of eggs. Eat up. You're going to need the energy. Hey, you had a watch last night, a man in the neighboring bed asked. Do you know the time? He was a middle-aged man with salt and pepper hair in decent shape, but he had a lot of wrinkles, likely caused by a lifetime of worry. I'm sorry, they took it. Damn. Well, thanks anyway. He turned to a woman sitting next to him. She was just playing around with her food, not eating anything. She looked tired, emaciated with her cheeks sunken in and her eyes almost hollow. It was a look I knew all too well, a figure that could only be the result of harsh chemo. I understood her pain and felt sorry, but if she was desperate enough to join the game, her treatment definitely wasn't going well. Hun, you've gotta eat. We need to keep our strength up, he said to her. I'm not hungry, she responded. You guys here together, I asked. He nodded. I'm Benjamin. This is my wife, Olivia. I'd gathered that much from their shirts. Their numbers read 15 and 16, respectively. I'm David. Why did you sign up? I asked. I'm not really supposed to tell. It's... He got cut off by a voice calling out over an unseen speaker system. The next game will be in five minutes. Please redirect your attention to the screen. The announcement seemed to quicken Ron's consumption of food. Alice was only a third of the way through her meal, as were most of the other contestants. On the screen, the name of the next game was displayed. King of the Hill, it read. Chatter filled the room as people started speculating just exactly how it would play out. What twisted version they'd throw us into and how we'd inevitably end up dead. All right, we can work together on this. I'm assuming only a fraction of the contestants can make it to the hill. We gotta stick with each other and keep the area free. Don't let anyone push you around, Ron ordered. After a minute on the screen, a few simple rules appeared on the screen. One, climb the hill before the timer runs out. Two, defend your position. Three, players caught in the rising tide will get eliminated. I looked over at the couple sitting next to me. While the man was fit enough to make it up there, the frail, sick wife would struggle. He looked at me with pleading eyes. Please, can you help us? He asked. I turned to Ron for support but he looked doubtful. Look, I'll see if we can create enough space up there, but I ain't carrying anyone on my back, he said. With that, the five minutes were up. The floor started to rumble, causing everyone to shoot to their feet. Then the entire ground started sinking downwards, turning into a massive elevator that was bringing us into the depths. A hole opened up in the middle of the room, almost causing some to fall. As the floor kept descending, a pyramid grew out from the newly formed hole, only accessible by massive steps we had to ascend. There were similar cubes on the sides to make the climb easier, but they were loose and slippery. There were five sections to get to the top platform, which was only large enough to hold about 50 of us. The contestants stood patiently around it, waiting for the game to begin. None dared take a step until the announcer officially gave us the go ahead. The room fell into an uncomfortable silence as we started. Good luck, let, let the, the climb, climb begin, the announcer said over the speaker system. Go, Ron yelled. And with that, people started rushing the pyramid. Each step up increased in height, with the first being about four feet tall, Ron being the tallest, 
jumped effortlessly up. He reached out a hand and pulled me up after him, while Alice seemed to assist Benjamin as he scooted his wife up. Once most of the population had reached the first step, a strange sound filled the room. It sounded like an electric water pump. I turned around to see a thin layer of clear liquid cover the ground below us. Water? I half asked, half stated. Come on, keep climbing, Ron interrupted. As the liquid rose, people started scrambling all over the stairs and blocks. They were climbing over each other in a panic, kicking and screaming as they all tried to be the first to reach the top. It wasn't long until someone slipped in the chaos, falling back down to the first level, just as the liquid started pouring over it. What is this stuff? The man asked as he tried to start climbing back up, but his curiosity was quickly turned to screams of agony as his feet started melting away. An almost sizzling sound could be heard as the flesh started sloughing off his foot. Still, even with his mangled limbs, he tried to climb, but without his own legs to support him, he quickly slipped back into the liquid below. He let out a horrific scream before quickly submerging below the surface, at which point his body just disintegrated. It's acid, Benjamin yelled. We have to go. For each level ascended, the space to stand shrunk. As I had already suspected, the top level would only be able to support a fraction of the players. The rest would be dissolved in the rising acid. Ron was making good progress, making sure to pull each of us up behind him. I tried my best to aid, but I was quite a bit shorter than that beast of a man, leaving me at a clear disadvantage in comparison. I gotcha, I said as I helped Alice up. She was consistently staying at the back, not because she was slow, but because she refused to let Olivia fall behind. As I watched her struggle, a horrific realization dawned on me that even if we survived this round, eventually we would be forced to leave someone behind. Another few people stumbled into the acid, screaming with the last of their breaths before the muscles fell from their bodies. As the space got narrower, people even started pushing. A bald, slightly chubby man at the other corner kicked a sickly looking couple into the acid, allowing himself to climb up unhindered. I noted his number, 42, reminding me to keep a distance. He didn't even show a hint of remorse. He just kept going. All the while, the acid kept climbing up the pyramid. They're just pushing each other off. Oh my God. Olivia said in shock as she witnessed the many murders being committed around us. Don't think about it, just keep going, Benjamin urged. By the time we'd reached the second to last level, a dozen people had fallen into the acid. A few had already reached the top. Some of them were keeping their place in the center of the top platform, while others were helping their friends get up. Ron was the first of us to reach the top. He helped Benjamin get up next. And then the two of them started pulling us up. Alice and I were the last two from our group and the top floor was getting crowded. Around the second level, there were still about 10 people left and only a few would fit onto the platform. I helped Alice get up and got ready to climb up myself. Just as I managed to get a firm grip, I felt someone kick my fingers. I fell on my back getting the wind knocked out of me. Come on, the man said as he rushed to assist another player. I've got you. He wore the number 95, and he had kicked me to make room for another. And though he only shot me a glimpse, I could tell he regretted it. That feeling would not last long before Ron came up behind him 
and kicked him down two levels. He landed face first in the acid, not even getting a chance to scream before it melted the skin and fat from his body. Take my hand, Ron said. For a moment, I just lay there frozen in fear. You wanna die, boy? He asked. I got up and grabbed his hand, shooting the shocked player next to me a look. He was just too short to reach the top alone. Please, don't leave me here, he begged. But there was no room left at the top. We could only stand there and watch as the acid reached his ankles. Once the pain set in, he tripped and fell. For a few seconds, he splashed around in panic, but he quickly lost control of his body as the muscles burned away. They're dead, I mumbled. We let them die. It was either you or them, Ron said. I didn't have a choice. A minute passed as people just struggled to stay on the top platform without falling in. Then without warning, a barrier extended around us, keeping us safe from the acid. The ground shook gently before the platform started descending into a tunnel below. Congratulations, round two is now concluded. The text on the screen read, 48 players remaining. The second round had ended and more than half of the starting players had succumbed to the torture. We made it, Alice said but there was no joy to be heard in her voice, only sadness. Benjamin and Olivia embraced each other, both shocked to have made it through the second round. I couldn't share their relief because based on their performance that far, I knew they wouldn't make it much further. Those were the thoughts running through my mind as we sank into the ground. None of us knew what kind of twisted games would greet us on the other end of the elevator, but we all expected it to be another round of pure terror.